Next on BYUSN, Cougars five days away from joining the Big 12 Conference. It is getting real, but do we want San Diego State in the Big 12? Plus, the best win bracket goes to the second round. We've got Brandon Doman on the show to talk about it. Let's go, baby. This is BYU Sports Nation, not five days away. About a week and a half, let's go. Presented by the BYU Store, Fisher Outfitter, BYU fans everywhere. Monday, June 19th, it is Juneteenth. I'm Jerem Jordan, alongside Super Bowl ring analyst Dave McCann. You, you've come up with so many that uh, you've loved over the years, and now the Chiefs have added some. You know, Andy Reid is so cool. Uh, and they had their party the other day where they got their rings, and the media were asking him, he's in his tux with his wife, and they go, hey, why aren't you wearing your Super Bowl ring? And he goes, I got my Super Bowl ring right here. My wedding ring is my Super Bowl ring. And you're just like, you know, he, he's so much like Lavelle, in the moment, yes. spontaneous stuff that just exudes coolness. And it's like, you know what? I want to be like him when I grow up. I don't think we realized at any point that there would be a Lavelle in the NFL. Yeah. It is Andy Reid. He has taken every good thing from Lavelle and now Matt Bushman and Zane Anderson and, and Porter Ellett on the staff as BYU guys with Super Bowl rings. So Zane is on the Bills now, and he came over for you have the to, party. Right? right? Someone says you're going to get a ring, I yeah. you show up. You never, like in the NBA, they wait until that, that player comes to the city. Yeah. And then they get the ring. So shout out to those guys. Pretty cool, man. I think it's awesome that uh, that that one they have Super Bowl rings and and like for for Matt, he's on the practice squad, but now now he's back playing to get in the game. Mm -hmm. And no matter what happens, he has a Super Bowl ring. He can say no to his matter father what happens. Hey Chad, uh, let's bring out our Super Bowl rings. And oh. it's like, uh, oh wait, okay. Yeah. Anyway, that, I that'd be so really cool. mean. That would be. That would be. But you know what? Anytime a son-in-law can one-up the father-in-law, you know. I don't know if I'm doing that to Rob, my father-in-law. Well, give it some time. Yeah. It's, not, it's, just, it's a long... I'm hoping to make the uh, will later, you know. It's a long life. <laughs> On today's show, as we kick off the new week, former Cougar Brandon Doman is here. We're going to ask him if he thinks the Big 12 should invite San Diego State. Uh, women's volleyball coach Heather Olmstead's here. Their non-conference slate is, is fantastic. Our question of the day is, do you want San Diego State in the Big 12. And our matchup of the day of our best BYU football wins bracket, we got Miami of 1990 going head-to-head -head against Missouri Ooh. of 1983. Ooh. Two very, very big games with spectacular performances from the two quarterbacks in that one. We'll roll it out a bit later on. But alas, Miami should win that because that's the in best a, win, right? In a yeah. cakewalk. Yeah, let's go. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by BYU Food To Go, the MVP of your next event. Okay, Friday, Pete Thamel of ESPN reported that San Diego State told the Mountain West they intend to leave the conference. The Aztecs reportedly asked for a one-month extension beyond June 30th for that. San Diego State told the league it wasn't an official notice of resignation, so what was it? Uh, meanwhile, the Pac-12, Big 12 haven't officially invited the Aztecs, although that never really happens. You just suddenly in the league, right? Yeah. Thamel said San Diego State has to give a year of notice to withdraw uh, next June and enter the league in 2024. If school waits past June 30th, the exit fee of nearly 17 mil jumps up to 34 million. So let me ask you this. Do you want San Diego State, who has clearly entered the portal, in the Big 12 <laughs> in the future? Just how they've handled this whole thing is, is comical. 
It's like, you, you know, you're committing to go to the dance. I'll go to the dance with you. Uh, but I want 30 days to see if I can go with someone if else. If anyone else. But I want you to know, I'm committed to you. Yeah. But I want to be able to play the... What, what the Mountain West isn't coming back and say, hey, you're right. Just yeah, great. Whatever. We've never been burned by this before no, with anybody. Never happened to us. Uh, if I'm the commissioner, do I want San Diego State in the conference? I think yes. And, and for a couple of reasons. One, they're on the market. And, and two, uh, if you're Brett Yormark, and he's been quite clear, he wants a land grab and he wants a time zone grab. Yep. This gets you Southern California without dealing with the politics of, of Pac-12-ness. And it also um, gets you in the Pacific time zone without, again, having to deal with the politics of Washington, Oregon, and who's going to leave and who's going to not. Um, clearly, I, I would prefer it to be Arizona and Colorado. But if it's San Diego State and those two aren't jumping, uh, I'd rather see them go to the Big 12 than the Pac-12. Basketball-wise, San Diego State's now in the elite status, and football's getting a little better, and we have a relationship with them. Yeah, I, I would say yes, but that's assuming that there are no other Power Fives available. Right. Like, if you say, who else do you want? Well, I want Oregon and Washington. Yeah. And if I can't have them, then I would like Utah slash Arizona, probably, um, or Arizona State. And if I can't have them, then maybe Colorado, Arizona. So uh, the San Diego State thing and even the Gonzaga thing, those are basically like, okay, if plundering the Pac-12 is not available based on TV contract and some time that's going to come out, is it going to come out this year, next couple months? Is it going to come out in the next few weeks? Seems like June 30th is a big day it for It feels all like that. that. <laughs> and July 1st, big day here as well. Yeah. Around that time, it'll be fun. If the Pac-12 TV deal is not good enough, and again, good enough is subjective. It's not just about money. Like, if you're on Apple TV Plus streaming only, but you got the same or more money than the Big 12, is it better? You may not be seen. You, know, you think every Applebee's in America is going to pull that up so that your game's on no. in random bars and whatnot around the country? Not just Applebee's, you know what I mean, though. Like, I don't know. San Diego State, yes, for all the reasons you uh, illustrated. The, the travel partner for BYU would be nice, although I think if they go one team, they'll probably go a second. Right. So San Diego State and Gonzaga, to me, could feel uh, joined at the hip or, a little or bit. Or UConn. Or you go UConn, and now you're, now you're truly coast to coast. But I'm afraid of a better whack where you're too spread right. out, too many teams. Is it diluted in a way? If it's all about money and you can pro-rate of these people in, Okay, sure. But ultimately, I think the Big 12 is waiting for the Pac-12's TV deal to potentially not be good enough right. and for a few disgruntled members to leave. And all it takes is uh, a third team. Because if two leave, they can go San Diego State SMU. They flirted openly with them, uh, Pac-12, that is. So we'll see what happens there, man. Um, it's going to be interesting. June and 30th screams to me because that's why San Diego State came out and said, hey, we're, we're intending to leave. Yes, they're in a hurry. Because the fee days. to get out doubles the next day. Yes, and so, that's to get in the league next season. Yeah. If they, if they did it, you know, in a couple years. So if they're pretty sure somebody's going to invite them, but they don't want to pay a double exit fee, but they might not invite them by July 1, then they come up with the idea of, hey, we're leaving, but we'd like you to give us 30 days. And that's just not going to happen. Yep. Matt Wesley, why don't you give us $36 million? And obviously there's a history with San Diego State that would be uh, familiar and uh, pretty normal for BYU, given the history in the past, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU 
Active Sports Nation stat of the day. They played a bunch, Dave. 113 times, in fact, uh, in football and men's basketball. BYU 79-33, and there was one tie in football back in the day. Yeah, that no, is famous from 91. Got BYU right? back into the holiday ball. Yes, kept it did. the Aztecs out. Whack title. That's actually one of the greatest ties in BYU history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is all good. Led by Ty Emmer. So there's a familiarity there, which brings us to topic number two. If San Diego State joins the Big 12, it's a natural rival for BYU. And uh, there's a relationship there. There's angst there. There's all that stuff that, 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 <laughs> that, that comes makes, with a rivalry. That makes a rival. But if they don't, yeah. who would you handpick? For BYU to be a rival in this Big 12. Oklahoma and Texas are leaving, so just kind of yes. consider everyone else is left. Yes. Who's going to be the rival? If they asked me and I could force a rivalry like Utah, yeah. Colorado was. Which never works. Which never works. Yeah. A rivalry just happens organically. When, when BYU went to the West Coast Conference, I don't think we were thinking, hey, in men's hoops, it's St. Mary's. I think we yeah. thought it was going to be Gonzaga. And oh, by the way, that's by sport. Sometimes it's not multi-sport. Like, Utah will continue to be the all-sport rival, and then Utah State kind of as well. Boise State in football became a rival, but it wasn't in any other sport. In the WCC, women's hoops, it was Gonzaga. Women's soccer, it was Santa Clara. Women's volleyball, it was San Diego. I wonder if that's going to happen in the Big 12, where it's sports-specific competitive rivalries, like we saw with St. Mary's and men's hoops, and so on and so forth. If I had to pick one, it would be Baylor. Here's why. He already played twice, got a little thing going there. Um, Grimes and Mateos are still there, right? Familiar homies yeah. on the staff. They stole the Barrington brothers. <laughs> oh, by the way, Caleb Loader's on the men's basketball team. Uh, you know, both uh, Christian institutions. I don't know that that really matters all that much. But it could be Baylor. But I don't think there's going to be a forced one. There may not be a single competitive rivalry. Or does it become like Utah where it's like, well, we're competing with USC for the division title. That's the team that we eyeball. We'll it's, see. It's got to come back both ways, right? USC could care less. They don't like losing the Utes, but <laughs> yeah. they got Notre Dame to deal with. They don't think about Utah. <laughs> they got, they got uh, Stanford to deal with. Like everyone else is USC's rival, They're just like about everybody UCLA. was BYU's yeah. rival in the, in the WAC. They're thinking right? about Oregon and Washington yeah. for the title. Yeah. Wyoming was never BYU's biggest game. But, but it meant everything Hawaii to Wyoming and, yeah, yeah. and Hawaii. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm going to go Houston. Mm. And, and the reason why is that there at least is a history there. Uh, BYU's 3-0 and against them uh, in football. They've been down there twice. They've had shootouts. Uh, they, they, on the Haas' buzzer beater, they beat Houston there. Houston now in Think basketball. Think about how good that win was, given how good Houston's been the last yeah. few years And now they're in, the elite, oh they're in the elite status. Yes, one um, seed last year. And also the reason I picked them is there's an enormous BYU fan base already there in the Houston area. Gifford Nielsen so, did work. Yeah, he did work. And so when the Cougars come to town... There's already a built-in agitation by the other Cougars of, how did all these blue Cougars get into our stadium? And that never sits well, and that helps to feed a, a rivalry. So if you, if you had to pick one that at least has the start of something, I, I would go Houston based on that. But, but what, what I wouldn't do is assign somebody, hey, by the way, you now hate those guys, and they hate you. It's not how it works. Ring the bell. Hatfield McCoy's come over here. Uh, oh, wait, you already do hate each other. Yeah. The, the, there was a mini hashtag battle between Houston and BYU a couple years ago, by the way, for hashtag Go Cougs, yeah. to where I believe uh, 
and, and it, I think it was Washington State even yeah. um, was in the mix. Uh, but it's like C-O-O-G-S, but BYU is the C-O-U-G-S. There, there are these things that happen with uh, rivalries. There's, 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 but you've got to have history. You yes, you've got to have a choke sign for Merrick Mika. you got to have Brad Wall to throw a mouthpiece. you got to have a Del of a dagger. Half-court thing right create. after Haas hit his big shot. So you went from here yes. down these to here. These things happen, yeah. as they uh, said on It'll be fun to watch and see how it evolves. Okay, our question of the day is this. Do you want San Diego State to join the Big 12? Weigh in. Uh, Nate underscore Dunn says on Twitter, no. There are four different teams that are a better fit for the Big 12, both athletics and geographically. Thanks for not mentioning academics. Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State should be priorities one through four. I would say Oregon and Washington are one and two and to Remember, me. we're not saying should they choose them over those guys. We're assuming those guys aren't available. Yeah, do you just – and to me, this isn't like first choice right now. It's right. like at some point would you want San Diego State in. They add more value in every aspect than bringing San Diego State. We need that nice beach spot, though, in yeah, the league. You know what I'm we saying? We do. Everyone. That would be off-season good. Off-season meetings. <laughs> they don't necessarily have to be those. in Dallas. They could be on the beach. Exactly. Okay, continue to weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey, our big party is coming up Saturday, July 1st. Talked about it a moment ago. We'll participate with BYU Athletics to celebrate the Cougars joining the Big 12 Conference. Join the BYU Sports Nation game day crew. Uh, we'll have interviews with coaches and players live from the celebration July 1st from 5 to 7 Eastern time on BYU TV, BYU Radio, and the BYU TV app. And then we'll just kind of just pretend the Stadium of Fire is part of the party and we'll light up the night later on you at Lavelle Overage Stadium. Again. We'll be over there you doing always some do. stuff. That's awesome. It's a great night. Okay, coming up, the Dominator, Brandon Doman, tells us about 2000 win at Utah, 2001 against Utah. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Doubters who say BYU can't play with the big boys, but quarterback Brandon Doman says there's only one way to prove it. We'll give us a chance and see what we can do. Doman has a man wide open. Oh, some fun memories there. We're in Studio B with your day-to-day Cougar Sports play-by-play. Jerem Jordan alongside Dave McCann. Brandon Doman is our next guest. Only two players in BYU history have won their first 14 starts. Robbie Bosco and Brandon Doman, who now joins the program. Brandon, 14 uh, straight wins is a pretty good way to start your career, was it not? Well, if, I think if I can be in the same sentence as Robbie Bosco, that's pretty good. I feel pretty good about that. That is a pretty good one. Uh, we've had this best wins bracket uh, going on, 2000 Utah, 2001 Utah wins were discussed. Uh, what are some of your favorite memories from those two very important games in BYU history? Well, beating Utah, number one, is probably my, my favorite memory. Number two, I would say my, my, my favorite football game I ever played in was Lavelle's last game having the opportunity to be the starting quarterback for that game and to be able to carry him off the field and win in such a dramatic comeback fashion uh, by far was was my greatest memory. And and then I don't know that I've ever been in BYU Stadium when uh, quite like the moment when Luke Staley caught the pitch and ran down the sideline to win that game. I think it kept us at 12-0 and or 13-0 and or something like that. And and uh, that was pretty pretty remarkable time as well. I was watching that uh, last blast against the Utes over the weekend, and I was surprised, I didn't realize it at the time, how often you called Kalani Sitake's number 
whether you were yeah. dropping him a pass or running the football. I think that was his finest hour. Yeah. No, he was tough. He was so tough. He was a great ball catcher. He would come out of the backfield as a blocker often. And so uh, he was a perfect check down um, and uh, just a real steady, steady player for sure. Guide me through your mindset going into the New Mexico game where the stadium is named after Lavelle and you're four and six and you don't want Lavelle to lose his last home game or the next week against Utah. And now here is your first start, like the pressure of that moment. Were you loose? And if so, how? I had prepared my whole life for that moment. I was the youngest of four boys in my family and um, I had gone to BYU football games from the time I was eight years old, and I had dreamed about that. I felt like I was prepared for it. The coaches had done a good job of, you know, giving me opportunities to practice. And and I, you know, I was, gosh, I was almost through my junior season. So I had been around the block and I was, I was plenty prepared. So I don't, I don't know that I was nervous. I was so anxious, so excited to play um, that it, it just went past me. The fact that it was Lavelle's last game and, all the nostalgia that went into that game, I, I, I just didn't worry about that. I, I was just so excited about the fact that I got to play that night. Um, and I think the nerves were caught up in just enthusiasm and excitement to play. Brandon, but when Gordon B. Hinckley is entering the locker room, pregame, that's a different kind of game, right? Um, what were the emotions like? And how did you sort of, I don't know that you were naive, but how did you stay in that space to where it's like, well, this is just a game. I got to go out and win. Because it wasn't just a game. It was a huge game. Yeah, I I joke all the time that I thought the prophet had showed up to you know to wish me well for my first start. <laughs> Hopefully, he shows up I for Keaton Slovis in the same way. <laughs> yeah, lo and behold, he was there for Coach Edwards. I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. But you know, I, the the story is that he looked at the team and and congratulated Lavelle on a great story on a great story career. And then he looked at us and says, guys we've got to send Lavelle out with a victory tonight. And then he pointed out and said, so, you know, don't muff it. And in, in my closet at my house, I have this little picture of the prophet Gordon B. Hinckley and, and the phrase that says, don't muff it. And ever since that day, it's ironically, I think uniquely, not ironically, uniquely in my life has been kind of a little motto that I look at every morning when I, when I get one. up and head out for the day, don't muff it. And I'm grateful for that. Those are words to live by for sure. So here we are. Wrap it up the month of June with July and the team reports next month, the end of next month. How important is this time for a quarterback? Well, he has so many opportunities to get with his players. He still hasn't quite figured out the system. He still doesn't quite have the camaraderie with the receivers. When I was going into my first season as a starter, I hadn't played any football games. Now, that's different for him. He, he had, he's played a bunch of football games. I only played two. And there was a lot uh, of uncertainty with who's going to play particular positions at receiver. We were still short on a couple uh, personnel um, scenarios that hadn't quite ironed themselves out. And they can go out every single day and work on routes, look at look at scheme. He can get on the uh, whiteboard with his, with his coaches and with his teammates. He can get in the film room. Um, I, I think that there's – um, you know, five, six week period of time here where prior to fall camp, he can make up so much ground in preparation to hit the ground running for fall camp and understanding the scheme and what the coaches want. Spring ball was no way near enough time for him to wrap his head around, you know, what the, what the coaches were wanting to accomplish as a, you know, as an offense. But for a guy that's as veteran as he is, 
between spring ball and then summer months right now, he should have plenty of time to figure that out. Certainly different in the uh, you know entrance into the one-and-done year. You had the end of your junior year, then you had your senior year. But if Keaton Slovis has a nice year, he could be the third straight starting quarterback at BYU drafted. Do you feel like QBU is back at BYU, given that they put two in the league, obviously a number two pick and then a fifth rounder in Jaron Hall? Yeah, it, it depends on how well he plays. You know, he's he needs to win. Zach Wilson won games. Jaron Hall won games. You know, he, Slovis needs to go in there and win games, despite his ability to throw the football and, and, and you know, execute the offense. At the end of the day, BYU needs to go have a couple signature victories for him to have a, you know, draft pick opportunity. Um, I, we won football games when I was playing, and and uh, I think I think uh, you know QBU is partially, uh, you know, good quarterbacks that play in a great scheme, but we've also proven to win, and the guys that win usually get drafted. Um, so hopefully for his sake, they can get some wins, eight eight ten games. That'd be a massive accomplishment in, in year one. So th- it's tough sledding for that guy right now. You mentioned his experience coming in. He has 34 P5 starts. How valuable will that be, and and how will Cougar fans notice his experience the most? How will that show itself? Yeah, he just he won't be too too worked up about these big football games. He's played against these types of opponents. I think he'll be great in the locker room. He should have a ton of poise. Um, just his comfort level of being a starter. Um, I think will have a resonating impact on the locker room. The players in that locker room is a lot of guys that haven't played in consecutive back-to-back big games like this in a conference like this. Um, and I think he'll he'll provide some you know calming assurance to everybody, and specifically for him because he's going to have to play well. And as goes the quarterback, so goes the team, especially at BYU. He, he's going to have to really play well in order for these guys to have a you know a consistent chance at winning. They just don't have enough you know horses to hand the ball off and to, you know, muscle through these football games. He's going to have to play very consistent, efficient football as a quarterback to keep these guys, you know, in the football games. In this position, uh, and, and you can shed some serious light on it for us, uh, how, how important is it for a quarterback um, to there, – there's a confident quarterback and there's a quarterback who can appear to look confident when he's really not quite sure – uh, how, how valuable of a skill is that of guys were going out there when in his mind he's like, I'm not sure what's about to happen. Um, I, the team can see right through it. it it's a matter of, of just being the field general and, and having to communicate on the sideline, out on the field, during practices. And if the quarterback's not confident, you know, there's we, we, I think Vince Lombardi was – I don't think. I know Vince Lombardi said that leadership rests – upon truth and your purpose and willpower and your character and they can see right through your 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 truthfulness and your purpose and your willpower and and you know confidence displays itself really fast and um they'll they'll only they'll only follow you so long without you displaying a ton of confidence in who you are and in them as teammates and and in your ability to execute the offense so hopefully like i said he's taken full advantage of every minute he's got during the summer here to prepare uh, to be ready to play. Aaron Rodgers is doing that out in New York with the Jets. I mean, to, to, hats off to him for getting out there and spending as much time as he can because he recognizes that right now is his chance to go win, and I think Slovis is going to have to do the same thing. 
Brandon Doman joins us on BYU Sports Nation. Was the Dominator a nickname that you had growing up, or was that something that BYU gave you? Yeah, the, the, my teammates gave it to me at BYU. Um, you know, there's I, there's a number of like two or three guys that think that they came up with the nickname. So <laughs> I'm not going to pinpoint one of them, but one of the one of my offensive linemen felt like he came up with the nickname. And um, which anyways, one? Dustin Staley, Luke Staley's. Um, Aaron McCovens and um, and then Dustin Staley, Luke's older brother, uh, they they all claim that they came up with the nickname, but uh, uh, it's stuck forever. I mean, I'm 46 years old and it's stuck. <laughs> you know, the, the 14 wins in a row had a lot to do with the sticking. Yeah, and and the picture was cool too of the gladiator, which I think came out around that time. Were you on board for all that, or were you like whatever you guys say? Uh, look, it, it, I think it gave me. I think it gave me like one vote in the Heisman <laughs> voting. <laughs> I think I, I think that was the ninth vote getter. So I don't know that it that it served served any uh, purpose more than just giving me a nickname. But I was so grateful. Yeah, the, the marketing team there at BYU. Some of those guys are still there. I remember working with Duff Tittle and mm-hmm. some of those guys to campaign and and um, I just for, so grateful for all those guys. There's so many people behind the scenes in an athletic department that do way more than anybody realizes. And those guys went to bat for me with the media. And I think halfway through the season, between all the work they had done and BYU fans, I was, you know, getting a lot of notoriety through ESPN and they were ESPN. I'm sorry. Heisman trophy was running a voting campaign and I was the number one vote getter and, and um, throughout the season. So it was fun. I'm sure it helped me, you know, in, in getting drafted and all the other things that happened after the season, it was, um, you know, a lot of that went and, you know, helped me in a lot of ways. Hey, for, for the next minute, uh, you are the commissioner of the Big 12. Um, June 30th is coming up. Are you going to invite San Diego State into the league? I would, get, I would do everything they can to get Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State, make it a 16-team league. Um, I just don't – I don't know that San Diego State fits the bill for, for what the Big 12 – truly can accomplish if they'll hang tight for a minute. I, I think the PAC 12 is in a unique, unique situation. And I think Utah and Colorado, and like I said, Arizona and Arizona state are going to be in a better position. Uh, if they'll, if they'll group together and unify together and make that transition at the right time into the big 12 um, and uh, between the, between the big 12, the big 10 and the sec, that will make three really solid conferences at that point. You know what? What I, Oregon and Washington and them, I think they're going to jump ship as well, and probably end up in the Big Ten. So, I don't know that San Diego State's the play I'd make right now if I were the commissioner. Well, the play wasn't in Qualcomm Stadium anymore because they tore that thing down. A lot of great memories, but that place was a dump, including your 59-21 win in 2001. Brandon, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on the show. All right, guys. All the best. Take care. The Dominator on BYU Sports Nation. So good. He's so full of information. And I'm, I was kind of surprised. I thought maybe he'd lean a little more to San Diego State because it gives a time zone and a good basketball program and whatever. But it's out. Nope. Commissioner Doman, no San Diego and State. And who knows? Uh, I mean, the Big 12 might add more, and it might be up to 20 teams at some point. Yeah. I, I don't know. We shall How see. How ambitious will the Big 12 be? Hey, uh, what we're going to see coming up to the Y Awards, Spencer and Jerem in their tuxedos are going to uh, – MC the biggest and brightest in BYU athletics over the last year in their annual event. You can watch or listen Friday 
June 23rd. That's coming up at noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. You going the same tux as last year? You're gonna nope, mix it up. Yeah, nice. If, and if you Venmo me enough, I'll just tell you the winners. Just DM me. <laughs> uh, coming up, which Cougars were drafted into the USFL and volleyball rep in the red, white, and blue? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hey, we invite you to follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the entire day on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Jerem. He is Dave. Let's get to today's headlines. Peyton Wilgar, Lorenzo Fawatea selected in the XFL draft. Wilgar to the Seattle Sea Dragons, Fawatea to the Vegas Vipers. You know what that means? They get to be paid to play football, which is the dream of every Division I athlete. USFL results over the weekend, Kainakua, six tackles, a pass breakup for the Michigan Panthers. Diane Lake, three tackles for Houston. Troy Warner, three tackles for the Memphis Showboats, a team that also features Corbin Kafusi on the offensive line. Those are guys getting paid to have some fun. Hey, there you go. Three women's volleyballers repping the United States on the collegiate national team, and Heather Olmstead as an assistant coach, as well as Aaron Livingston and Kate Pryor are two of the 20 players. The three are in Anaheim this week, training much more on this with Heather later in the program. And Alexa Gray and Team Canada lost to Turkey Friday in three and uh, lost in five to the Dominican Republic Saturday in Hong Kong in Volleyball Nations League. Gray is carrying Canada, 17 kills against Turkey, then 19 in an ace against the DR. Gray is eighth in the world right now in total points. Fantastic. BYU softball announced the signing of transfer catcher Lindsey Madrigal from Salt Lake Community College. That position is now loaded as the Cougars head to the Big 12. Tennis player Wally Thane is ranked number 12 in the final Mountain Region rankings by the Intercollegiate Tennis Association. After a brief stint in Iowa, Michael Rucker back up with the Cubs, pitched a scoreless inning over the weekend. The Cubs have now won five of the last six. He's kind of on that shuttle of Iowa to Chicago. So when he's in Chicago, pitch really well, and he had a good weekend. Of course, fate would give you the Cubs headline. Yes. That's great. As it should be. Lee Kamard was named to the 2023-75 Rising Stars Impactful Women's Mid-Major Assistant Coaches list. How fortunate is BYU to have Kamard on that staff? He is a great coach. Yeah. Uh, Bob Huggins is out as West Virginia's men's basketball coach after multiple off-the-court incidents, uh, including one using a homophobic slur in an interview, and then Friday night at DUI. Huggins was the active Division I leader says he plans to retire. That'll all come out this week, as reported. He was put in the College Basketball Hall of Fame just last fall. Still waiting for that Big 12 basketball schedule. BYU's going to go to Morgantown, but now they'll face a different group of Mountaineers. Yeah, we'll, we'll see who you play just once, uh, who twice, and whatnot. Okay, those are today's headlines. Let's whip it. Google Whip Around is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Father's Day yesterday was great. Hope everyone had a good day. What's the best father-son's duo in BYU history? There's a lot of great ones. Uh, Grit and Steve Young, uh, Marty or Tyler Hawes, right? Or maybe TJ, any of the Kafusis, Johnny and Todd Miller. I don't know. There's been a lot of great ones. It's been. And, and more power to all of them. And happy belated Father's Day to everybody. Okay, BYU Throwbacks tweeted a video of Max Hall's 4th and 18 conversion to Austin Collie against Utah in 2007. Hall said that was the loudest moment at LaBelle Edwards Stadium he's experienced. What's the loudest for you? Kainakua's pick six against Boise State after the Hail Mary from Mangum to Jurgens 
Uh, it was loud to begin with, which follow, remember, followed the Nebraska Hail Mary. Then we got this one, and then the pick six where Nakua just kept going in the end zone, <laughs> jumps up, places bananas, was a white out, so just yep. a sea of white going nuts. I looked at Blaine during our broadcast, and I thought, oh, this is next level. 0-1 Utah with the Dominator, and Luke Staley on that pitch was number one for me. Jason Shepard tweeted a photo of him and Trevor Nell uh, at Disneyland uh, over the weekend. On the teacups, probably. <laughs> Who's the most random person you've run into at a theme park? Look I, at that. I saw Tom Hommel, and we were wearing the same shirt, like logo, but different colors of like Mickey doing a, a Y or whatever. Last April. Last I April. I saw Tom, yeah. I was like, hey, what's up, man? All right. Yeah. Okay, College Football Home tweeted this. <laughs> For the, This is the greatest question ever. For the rest of your life, would you rather, one, only liquid you can drink is water strained from a tuna can, but your favorite college football team wins at least 10 games per year, or two, full choice of liquids like you have currently, but your favorite college football team never wins more than five games per year. Dave, what's your answer? Hands down, number two. <laughs> I have a sensitive, I have a sensitivity to tuna fish. I can be in any part of the house, and I can tell when Diane opens a can of tuna oh, fish. Oh, it's like I would uh, just like I would go without. Yeah. I'm gonna take less than five. <sighs> what about you? How much do I love BYU versus football versus liquid? <laughs> Not liquid, tuna. Any liquid, uh, and it's only tuna. I've got to go with two, but it's really hard. I like when BYU wins ten plus games. Yeah. Because uh, one's enticing, but yeah. 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 I don't In like the end, fish. life happiness is better. Okay, <laughs> yeah. coming up after the break, Heather Olmstead was named an assistant coach for the United States, as we mentioned, collegiate national team. She's taking two of her players with her. They're already there. Olmstead joins the program after the break as BYU Sports Nation continues. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. As we mentioned from the women's volleyball team last week, Heather Olmstead as an assistant coach on the USA Collegiate National Team. Aaron Livingston and Kate Pryor also made the team as two of the 20 players. We had Heather Olmstead in studio last week to talk to us about the big news. Heather, congratulations on being named a Collegiate National Women's Team coach once again. This is not new territory for you. You've done this before. You, you've obviously earned the right to be there, but it's still special each and every time you do it. What's going to make this experience unique this time around? Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. It is always special and exciting when you get that call, especially when it's from Karch Karai inviting you to be a part <laughs> of any sort of arm of the national team. So I'm excited to, to be in the gym and to work with some of those great coaches. I'm going to be an assistant coach with the collegiate national team and, and work under uh, Michelle Chapman Smith. She's a great coach. So I'm excited to get in the gym and be around 20 of the best collegiate players in the country and, and learn and grow right along with them. And you're not alone. You take two of your players, which yeah. is exciting. Kate Pryor, a sophomore, yep. and then uh, Aaron Livingston. They yep. made the team, two of 20. Yeah, I'm super excited for, for Aaron and Kate. You know, we took a large group at that tryout in February, and, and Aaron and Kate were, had the opportunity to work with Karch and his staff at that tryout and were identified as, as some players they want to get in the program. And so I'm excited to travel with them, yeah. to be an assistant, and uh, have them be coached by other coaches and to learn and, from other players. And it's, just a, it's a great vibe when you get in the national team, Jim. This is a little bit different setup. This isn't like a, a true foreign tour where you're competing across the pond. So what, what's going to make this one different in terms of the competition and what you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, the collegiate national team for the past couple of years has been taking their group to Anaheim to train in the gym where our national team, our senior national team trains. And so 
The unique thing about this opportunity is we will be in the same gym with the national team, the, the teams, I think, getting back from Brazil next week. And so we'll be able to watch them practice in the morning and then we'll have our practices in the afternoon. We'll be able to have some Q&A with Karch and learn from them. But we've got our own staff with Taiba and Danielle Scott, who are Olympians. Um, Amazing. They, they've got medals. So they'll have a chance to talk with us about their experience in the national team. But just being around Karch's staff and, and our 20 players and, and have us all learn and grow together and compete for five days and scrimmage each other, I think it's a really neat opportunity for all these women. And right now the United States is competing in Volleyball Nations League, an international tournament. Ronnie Jones-Perry is in the pool, yeah. which is pretty cool. Um, she's been playing internationally all over the world, Brazil most recently. Yep. She got to travel on the last trip. Uh, and then Alexa Grace playing for Canada. Uh, how pr proud of you are uh, about those two in particular who are still doing it. Yes, yeah, it was so fun to be texting Ronnie and Alexa last week. They were both in <laughs> Turkey together. That's and cool. they both played so well. And they said they got to meet up with each other and chat for a little bit. And I'm just so proud of, of them and being resilient and, and both of their careers have, have gone well past, you know, playing here and um, Ronnie's continuing to grow and, and up her game and, and Alexa as well. And Alexa had a great match yesterday. And so it's just exciting to see Cougars, you know, all over the world playing volleyball for their national teams for, for Canada and USA and yeah. to get to have that experience chatting with them and for them to chat with our team. I think it's good for all of us to see them playing at a high level. What's the ceiling for Ronnie Jones Perry? Yeah, I think, you know, the sky's the limit for Ronnie. I think she's got that determination, that hard work, again, resiliency. She's been done for five years, and, and she's just getting her chance to, to get on the senior women's national team roster. And that shows her resilience and her patience and, and, and loving her craft and just being a learner. And so I'm going to hang out with her next week in Anaheim yeah. and pick her brain. And But I think she can you know, this, the ceiling's really high for her. She can accomplish whatever she wants, and I know she's having a fun time. Love to watch her in the Olympics at some point. That'd, that'd be, pretty, that'd be, be fun. Cool. Aaron Livingston, kind of the next dynamic outside hitter who's going to make uh, this collegiate team, which is exciting. How have you seen her develop, especially last year playing six rotations? Yeah, it, well, it started last summer. She was on the collegiate national team and went and did the same thing. So she's a two-time uh, college national team uh, participant. And so she really took last summer and, and just dove right in last fall with confidence and uh, it just keeps growing, and she's getting more comfortable playing six rotations. And I think she's really accepting her role and wants to be great. And I think this summer and this experience with the collegiate national team is going to help her just with that leadership role and, and developing and furthering her game. And she understands, you know, the demands of being a six rotation outside hitter. And the foreign trip gave us a good chance to, you know, see what it's like overseas mm. with outsides playing six rotations and a different ball and different rules. And it was it was good experience for all of us. And then Kate Pryor was a big-time recruit that you got. You fought off a lot of names there, and then she played some middle, played some right side yeah. last year. What's in her future? Yeah, I think Kate, you know, she's such a physical player with a great arm, with great great energy, great enthusiasm, and she's so coachable. Uh, she, she really can accomplish whatever she wants, whatever position she plays. She's been so open to, to doing whatever we've asked of her, and, and I think that served her well at the tryouts that she was able to, to kind of be flexible, but they're looking at her, you know, in the opposite. And, um, but she's just so open and wants to get as good as she can, and she's got a bright future, so we're excited about both those being with the USA next week. And there are a lot of moving parts here. European tours, you got a couple of players with the women's collegiate national team. Uneventful summer for you, Heather. All to get ready for <laughs> what's going to be a really exactly. fun early season, which fe features a powerhouse and pit for the third time in four years. Uh, how did that matchup come to be? Yeah, this summer has been exciting with the foreign trip, and we had a great spring, and we're looking forward to the fall. 
Uh, we're excited about our non-conference schedule, and it's it's going to be tough for us. So we've been committed to the Montana tournament. Allison does a great job at Montana for, for quite a while. We had three teams, UTRGV, Montana, and ourselves. And uh, they were looking for a fourth team, and, and Pitt reached out to Allison and, and asked if, if they could join. And so she reached out to us and asked what we thought about playing Pitt. And we, we just looked at each other in the offices. And we saw some Again. of the girls, and we were like, well, Pitt's not coming to Provo, and we're not going to Pittsburgh. So why not meet up in Montana and play again? <laughs> so that's how that came about. We're excited about that whole tournament. And um, I think it's great for our team. And the challenge is going to be there. And not only that, but the next week to host a tournament with some great teams. And, and Washington State, who returns almost all their starters, they're mm. going to be really good in Towson. It's, it's a great non-conference. you got the local Utah teams that are always a challenge and have rivalries there and are super exciting. So it's going to be tough. They say it's hard to beat a team four times, so this is the year. Against All right. Pitt. Let's go. Okay, notably among those Utah teams you mentioned, Utah State's back on the schedule. Yep. This is your alma mater. Yeah. You beat BYU in the NCAA tournament. Like, there's history there. Rob Nielsen's up there from uh, BYU. They have become really good the last couple of years under Rob. Um, it's a game that uh, can benefit you, and now you play your alma mater. Why this year? Yeah, I think, you know, Rob and I have been talking for, for quite a while, and he's excited about us coming up to Logan and – He's already, he's already warned me that they're trying to break the attendance record, which was my, <laughs> my record when I played in the Spectrum. Is it still that one? Yeah, one of the years I played, we, had, we set the attendance record, so he keeps telling me I'm going to beat your attendance record. <laughs> and I said I love that because it means that yes. the sport is growing and that we're, we're getting people in Logan in the Spectrum. He's going to do it in the Spectrum, so he tells me. Very yeah. nice. And I think it's just great for the sport, great for the state. There's a lot of good players in the state, and I think you know that weekend with Utah at home and then we go on the road to play UVU and, and Utah State – it's just it's good for our team, the state, and um, I think they're doing a great job, all those programs, that it's, it's going to get us ready for the next week when we open up on a Wednesday uh, with Houston. And, and that's a big deal because you're playing, what, three and four days? Yeah. In, all in state, Utah and Provo, as you mentioned. Then do you go Friday UVU and then – Saturday and then, and then, Logan, yep. So will you go day of to Logan? Yeah, we'll, we'll do uh, – you know, Wednesday we play Utah here, have a day off Thursday, play UVU Friday, which is local, and yeah. then drive up, do a serve and pass Saturday and – I think, you know, you get all the feels driving you know, through the canyon and being back in Beautiful Logan. Beautiful, too, yeah. Yeah, we're excited to take our team up there. And, uh, we, you know, we were supposed to have a scrimmage up there, and that got canceled this, this spring because of weather. So it's going to be neat, and hopefully we can keep it up, uh, Utah State and us just playing back, back and forth. I'm glad to see it back on the schedule. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And they've won either a regular season or conference tournament last yeah. year. So they're good. They're doing well. They're good. And yeah. UVU has won the WAC recently. That's Guess we got to give credit to Rob. I love giving credit to Rob. Rob's he's great. the best. He's yeah, the he's best. Great. Heather Olmstead is with us on BYU Sports Nation. As you take on a Power 5 schedule and the Big 12 for the first time, how has this changed your philosophy and approach as a head coach the most, moving from the WCC to the Big 12? Yeah, I think you know, we've chatted quite a bit as it's the date's been coming, this July 1st date and in the fall for our you know, first Big 12 matchup. I think we're, we're approaching things the way that we always do in our program is that we, we have standards of how we're going to practice and how we're going to per perform, how we want to prepare our coaching staff, our players. And we, we lay those out and, and we want to meet them every day. And we want to go into this fall understanding that we don't know what we don't know. And we don't want to act like we know more than we do. It's new places, new teams, new travel. All these things are new, but we also don't want to sell ourselves short. We want to compete and we want to be the very best we can. So we're going into this um, non-conference and, and the fall with the Big 12 just with, with 
expectations that we're going to do our very best and we're going to compete every night and we're never going to give up and we're going to see what happens. But we don't want to put too much pressure on ourselves, but we also yeah. don't want to not expect things from ourselves. We want to be the very best we can and we've got the players to do it. And we saw that this spring and with our foreign trip. I think you're one of the most ready teams for the Big 12 right now, which will be very exciting. Speaking of the foreign trip, what were some of your favorite parts oh, gosh. of this? Okay, so people keep asking the highlighter. I, I literally cannot, I can't express this, the joy that I have in thinking about our foreign trip. It's hard for me to talk about anything specific except for that it was a long time coming, mm. the preparation with COVID to get on this trip and to be able to go to... to you know, four different countries and three different continents and 15 days with people that you love that are like family. It, it was once in a lifetime for all of us. The volleyball was incredible. I mean, playing the Egyptian senior national team with jet lag is no joke. <laughs> <laughs> it was, but That's it was hard. so fun because yeah. we use it as a, a opportunity to say, hey, that, that was really hard what we just did on no sleep and not, you know, different food. You can handle at West Virginia the day before it's Thanksgiving. Things we're going to lean on. <laughs> we're going to lean on the whole season. And the volleyball kept getting, you know, more challenging. And we kept getting better in Turkey and, and playing, you know, these professional teams and ending with the U19 team in Greece. And it was, it was fantastic. And I, I can't highlight anything except mm. that we're so grateful it happened. We got to spend time together. And we hope it serves us well this fall. And that's, that's the purpose of having these opportunities to go to these unique places with, with the people that you're going to go to battle with this fall. And we need, we need challenges and we need to know that we can overcome it. And we, mm. we had that. What an experience. Yeah, if you ever get in a tough scenario and the girls just are the, the, these great women, they look tired. Remember Turkey! Egyptian jet lag. Yeah. Like, that's the, it's like, you're right, we can do anything. Well, it's funny yeah, because we awesome. were chatting, I think it was Whitney Larinus was like, oh man, this, that flight to Morgantown is going to feel like easy after flying you know, to Paris and then to Cairo. And so they're already having those conversations uh, where yeah. we already are talking ourselves into, hey, flying to Florida is no big deal. Flying to Morgantown is no big deal. Having a couple of these charters, when we get, we're getting some charters this year. That awesome. It's, we're so grateful. We, we're so blessed to have these opportunities. And when you see different parts of the world and how people live and, and, and how grateful they are, it just makes you appreciate, number one, mm. you know, what you have and, and being part of the United States of America. And it's, it's why it's, a privilege to go coach for USA after you experience places all over the world. But yeah, it was, it was great. Well-deserved treatment for an outstanding group of women. Yeah. Can't wait to watch your, you and your team compete and good luck uh, with the women's collegiate national team as well. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Heather Olmstead on BYU Sports Nation. Pretty cool experience. Uh, they don't play any competition, uh, but they get to train together uh, as the United States uh, collegiate national team. And uh, you couple that with what she just talked about, all the adversity of Egyptian jet lag yeah. having to play. When you're literally at West Virginia on a Tuesday the week of Thanksgiving, right. no thing, man. We've been to Cairo playing the national team. You on do Cairo, you can the, do. You can do Oregon anything. You, you know, you've been to sure. Egypt. Uh, yeah. You've ridden camels. I, I was in the area. Uh, <laughs> Where are they going to finish first year of Big 12? You're a uh, volleyball top three. guy. Top, top three. three. Yep. That'd be great. Texas is the national champs, but BYU was right there with Baylor and Kansas. Awesome. Okay, yep. coming up uh, after the break, the second round of our best w football wins bracket begins, and today's a doozy. Can anyone take on 90 Miami? I don't think so. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics.
Time for the BYU Football Best Wins Bracket, in case you missed it. We're letting you, the fans, determine the best win in BYU football history. We have 16 seeds. We're into the second round now, but not before we have to recap what happened in our matchup from Thursday. So it was the 1980 win against SMU in the Holiday Bowl. Tough to beat that As one. That's a Deacon's Corn Party. Remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> um, against uh, the 14 seed, which was the 2000 win against Utah. A massive With win. Luke Staley and... And, and the uh, Dominator. We talked about Dominator. Uh, Gennaro Guilford's interception. That was a one. Is that a one? Yes. Oh, 2000. Okay. Yes. Um, so it was uh, 87%, as you'd expect, uh, yeah. going to, to the 1980 Holiday Bowl. Domination. So, uh, yep, 80 SMU. BYU wasn't paying its players. SMU was. This is pre NIL. The three seed moves on. So it's been extremely chalky. In fact, yep, one through eight all advance. Okay, we are in to the second round. It's time for our matchup of the day. Oh, this is juicy. One seed, Miami 1990 should win this whole thing. Versus eight seed, 83 Holiday Bowl. We begin with 1990, the reigning national champs, the number one team in the country. Miami comes into Provo. BYU ranked 16th, 13 and a half point underdogs in this one. BYU trailed 21-20 in the fourth. Iconic play from Ty Detmer, scrambling, working around. Lavelle Edwards once time, one time said he looked like Pee Wee Herman when he showed up at BYU. <laughs> Pee Wee Herman takes down Miami and the Cougars win. Miami lost twice that year, finished right number three. It's the best win by current and former rank uh, in a season in BYU history. Cleanse the palate. Here comes the 1983 Holiday Bowl against Missouri. BYU won 11 straight games entering the game. It went back and forth. Cougars trailed 17-14 with 23 seconds left. And then Steve Young completed the hat trick. He had a touchdown run, a touchdown pass, and this touchdown reception, only quarterback in BYU history to ever pull it off. And it was the only three BYU touchdowns of the game. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. Uh, BYU wins it. They finished 12-1 and and number seven in the AP. Our thanks to uh, PAX for sponsoring the Elite Voice of the Day and today's Rise and Shadow presented by Mountain America. Trevor Sampson gets it. Our thanks to today's guests, Brandon Doman and Heather Olmstead. The conversation continues always on social media. Sorry to Dennis, we ran out of time. For Dave, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Sierra Parker. Go Cougs and go vote for Miami. <laughs> See you tomorrow. <laughs>